This episode is brought to you by The Message, a new podcast series from GE Podcast Theater. Hi, Nikki Tomlin here, and I'm the host of The Message. I'll be following a team of elite cryptographers as they decode a highly classified radio transmission. To sum it up, extraterrestrials. The Message on iTunes. Hello and welcome to I Want to Like You, a weekly podcast from Real Simple about how to handle the irritating people in your life with goodwill and with grace. I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. I'm the editor of Real Simple. And with me today are Dr. Sherry Myers, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Los Angeles and author of Chatting or Cheating, and Dr. Laura Markham, who's a clinical psychologist and the author of several books, including Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, and she's the founding editor of ahaparenting.com. So today we're talking about nagging, and thank you so much, Sherry and Laura, for being here. Welcome to I Want to Like You. Well, thank you, and I look forward to this. My pleasure. We're going to cure me. So I, I, I want to first give a shout-out to a Twitter follower whose handle is at Leftover Eater who suggested this topic. And I feel like she must have, like, bugged my household or something and therefore known it would be a good topic because, as I have told both Lori, Laura rather, and Sherry, I am a terrible nagger, and I nag my husband, and I nag my children. And you would think I'd learn after being married for 25 years almost and being a mother for 20 that nagging doesn't really – well, I'm not going to finish that sentence. I'm going to let my guests say whether (laughs) nagging ever works. So, Sherry and Laura. Nagging (laughs) never works. (laughs) We can start there. Nagging never works. The illusion is if we just do it the right way, it will finally work. But nagging – never works. All right. So how do we define nagging? Well, it probably depends on whether you're asking the nagger or the naggy, right? <laughs> Naggers <laughs> feel like they're giving helpful reminders, you know, mm-hmm. and the naggy, of course, feels harassed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or like a little child or disrespected yes, or unloved. Because the problem with nagging and why it's a lose-lose versus a win-win whether Mm -hmm. we're talking about partners or children, is because nobody feels heard, nobody feels loved in the equation. It feels Mm -hmm. like one big power struggle. Okay, so let's, let's step back for a second. So, Sherry, how do you define nagging? What is nagging? Well, the simple is nagging is bugging. (laughs) <laughs> you know, okay. really, we just want to give it one word. It's bugging the other person. It's the gentle reminders. It's the simple request. It's the please. It's trying to say it in a number of different ways, believing that if you say it in a different way or just say it over and over and over again, maybe they'll finally hear it and do it. Now, so Laura, do you think, so that's Sherry's definition. Do you think nagging, and that's what nagging feels like to me, too, Mm -hmm. is nagging always asking for something? Well, I think it's also whining and complaining because sometimes we know we won't get what we're nagging for. So Mm -hmm. we're really venting our own frustration or our own anxiety. For instance, if we're nagging our child about schoolwork, You know, it's our anxiety about them not getting it done and they're on their phone, but we're not willing to take action to actually 
fix the problem. Mm-hmm. So instead, we're venting our own frustration and anxiety. You know, action to fix the problem is much harder for us, right? You'd have to actually work out rules. Like in our house, we put away our phone until the homework is done. And mm-hmm. you'd actually have to maybe be a role model about putting the phone at the door in the charging station when you come home. And you'd actually have to connect enough with your child to get them to be willing to experiment with such a plan. So it is harder to address the problem. So nagging is trying to accomplish something, but you're not actually trying to accomplish it. You're, you're venting and complaining. So if I ask my son repeatedly, and P.S., I have finally found the way to solve this effectively, mm-hmm. but if I ask him repeatedly to empty the dishwasher mm-hmm. and he's not doing it, how is that my anxiety? Uh, well, in that case, it's just your frustration. So it's either frustration or anxiety. But okay. You, and I'd love to hear what you came up with as a way to do it, to actually solve the problem so you wouldn't be in that cycle of nag and him just distancing himself. Okay, so here's what actually he solved it. He said, like, if I say, please empty the dishwasher, blah, blah, please empty the dishwasher, like, on this, like, loop, right? So he has started saying, and I, of course, because being the nagging slash control freak slash many other unpleasant things, you can fill in the blank there, that I am as a mother, I wanted to do it now just because I saw it. So maybe this is my anxiety, so I can kind of cross it off my list in my head, right? Like the dishwasher's empty. But he says to me, okay, can I do it before I go to bed? And I used to say no because I didn't think he'd remember. And now, so he's 17. And you know what? Miraculously, he always remembers. And he always does it before he goes to bed. And so I ask him once. He says, can I do it before I go to bed? And I say yes, and he does it. So I don't. that's one little nagging thing. I don't know. I haven't come up with like a magic solution, but but – I had to trust him, and I did, and it totally worked. Can that be applied to other things? I don't know. You said the magic word, Kristen, and that is you let go of control and you began to trust. And mm-hmm. in the trust, it leaves room for your son to step up, or if it's our partner or it's our boyfriend or whoever we're in relationship with. When we can step back from our frustration, our anger, and our anxiety mm-hmm. and work together at a solution, whether your son came up with it or you came up with it, you both kind of signed on and said, oh, let's give this a little, let's, let's not be embroiled in the struggle. Mm-hmm. And instead, okay, you want to do it later? Fine. It's yours. And you're giving him the responsibility and seeing him as someone who's responsible enough to do it, not just Mm -hmm. a little boy. So when we focus on the positive and we leave room for the positive, that's when more positive things begin to happen. So Sherry, in a minute, I want you to talk about nagging in couples, but first we have a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by The Message, a new podcast series from GE Podcast Theater. Hi, Nikki Tomlin here, and I'm the host of The Message. I'm going to take you into an elite cryptography think tank and check it out. Their top project right now is to decode a highly classified radio transmission from the 1940s. Have you listened to it yet? Not yet. Uh, We're having a discussion about that. 
But if I offered you the chance to listen to it right now... Uh, sounds like a no. Well, we don't really know what it is. Voices, music, breathing. But, you know, I'm not going to mess with that thing. To sum it up, extraterrestrials. Subscribe to The Message on iTunes. Okay, so Sherry, let's talk. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about kids and nagging with kids, which is clearly a little unpleasant hot button in my life. But what what about what do you see in couple relationships? What are some of the nagging pitfalls you see most often? And if you are a nagger or a nagged or naggy, how can you break that cycle? Okay, well, I think one of the first problems is for most naggers is we don't think that we're nagging. We think we're helping. We think we're suggesting. (laughs) We think we're giving useful reminders. We think Mm -hmm. we see something that they don't, and once they see it, of course they're going to want to do what we want them to do because they love us. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, when we get into the cycle of nagging, really underneath it all is whether we feel loved or not loved. If my partner really loved me, of course he'd want to do this. If my partner really loved me, they'd see I'm anxious about it, and they would just do it. They could stop, get off the couch, stop watching that silly football game, and Mm -hmm. help me in the kitchen. After all, I do so much work. Hey, I'm a working Mm -hmm. mother. Hey, Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of load. If they loved me, they would change. Wait, are you talking specifically to me right now? Because I'm having a, I'm I'm getting a little, um, I'm I have goosebumps. No, I'm just kidding. But because my husband doesn't watch football that much, but <laughs> all the rest, all the other stuff was there. <laughs> and and that's where it gets a little loaded. And that's where, when I was thinking about today's episode, it struck me that really nagging is a power struggle. Mm-hmm. And there, it feels like there's a winner and there's a loser. But the mm-hmm. truth is everyone feels like they're losing. And just like a power struggle, which I want to go over, like how can you identify, even if you think you're just being helpful and kind and generous in your observation <laughs> of what they're doing wrong or not right mm-hmm. and what they're sucking at in the moment. Um, <laughs> Wait, is that a clinical term, sucking at? What's happening is you're not listening to each other. Mm -hmm. You're becoming defensive. They're becoming defensive. And it starts to feel like you're on separate teams or planets. Mm -hmm. And what usually begins to happen is someone's anxiety is going up and you're arming up as if you're preparing for war. And the other person is probably freezing up or shutting down. Mm-hmm. which is going to activate then more of the feeling of being on separate benches. And whoever is the nagger is basically saying, I'm right, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Or this is your fault. And can you feel my growing anxieties? I have to tell you 10 times. And mm-hmm. if you change, then I'll be okay. Or if you really loved me, you'd want to do it my way. And none of that is about love. Mm. That's about a power struggle. That's about Mm -hmm. power over. And usually when someone is nagging, the recipient of it, and usually I hate to say it, but it's us women, 
-hmm. When we are nagging, what begins to happen is we become our partner's husband, boyfriend, whatever, mother, and we stop being their lover. Now, so Laura, when you think about uh, the parent-child relationship, do you find that it's mothers who nag more than fathers? Yes. Mothers don't feel as powerful. I think fathers just say, do it in a louder voice. And, you know, this is what the research shows, is that men, especially when they talk to women, they don't nag. They just say what they want. Whereas when they talk to other men, like colleagues, they are more likely to nag. But I don't think they nag their children. I think women nag everybody because they feel less powerful. So that is so, if this is, if if so much of this is rooted in the difference between the two sexes and whether it's cultural norms or biology or who knows what, I mean, that's so, that's such a huge thing. How would, how would you change that in your parenting or in your relationships? If men say what they need and they just get it and women don't feel heard or loved or as authoritative and they have to say it a million times, like, how do you change that? Well, okay, let's not make men totally perfect because <laughs> sometimes men avoid, you know? <laughs> What yeah. they do is they're just not around. It's not like every man tells their needs and we women are bitches, if I can say that online. Mm-hmm. You know, let, mm-hmm. I'm going to stand up for women here because a lot of times, whatever the dynamic is, whether it be parent-child or partner-to-partner, the person who's being nagged upon needs to mm-hmm. take some responsibility for mm-hmm. improving the lines of communication and being part of that power struggle. And... Really, because one thing they can do is just do it. Or, like your son did, Kristen, mm-hmm. he just said, you know what, I will do it, just let me do it by, at the end of the day. Right. So he, he came up with a solution that worked for you, and he built trust because then he did it. Mm-hmm. And our partners need to do the same thing. They need to take responsibility that if there's this dynamic going on, they have to see where they're responsible for it, too. Mm-hmm. Laura, would you have anything to add to that? Well, I think that the solution for all human beings, whether they're men or women or children, is to learn to express our needs in a way that respects the other person. And most mm-hmm. of us don't learn that in our families. And so as we get older... You know, it may be that dad comes home and he expresses his needs in no uncertain terms and the kids jump to it, but it's not in a way that's very respectful. But maybe mom isn't expressing her needs either directly because she's trying to be respectful as we might be about the dishwasher, right? We know he's busy practicing his guitar, doing his homework, talking to his girlfriend on the phone, but, you know, we still have our need, which is the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. I think the key, that's such a great example because the key is always that if you nag enough, you might win with a child, but no one really wins a power struggle. And mm-hmm. I think parents have to remember, you don't have to attend every power struggle to which you're invited. <laughs> it's so hard not to, though. Um, okay, so we are almost out of time, but I just want to ask you to, for one, if there is a way to think about this in such a maybe concise way, if you are in a relationship with an adult partner or with a child and you either find yourself the, on the, the recipient of nagging 
or you are a nagger because you don't feel like what needs to get done is getting done. Is there one step that listeners could take to try to break that dynamic? Okay, I'll start. Okay. I believe in the Oreo cookie, and that is because I love chocolate. So we start Mm -hmm. with the chocolate, which is the positive and the love. Then you Mm -hmm. fill it, and then you end with chocolate. And so whenever you have an issue, whatever it, it is, when you're communicating, you start with the love, you start with the respect, you start with what is positive. Then mm-hmm. you talk about, can you, you know, give me some more help here? And That's then the you filling. And close with love and appreciation. Mm-hmm. So you let love lead. Oh, I love that. I love the Oreo. That's a very good metaphor. Um, okay, Laura, one thing, one thing people could do if they want to try to sort of improve this or eliminate nagging from their relationships. Well, parents get nagged by their children a lot. I mm-hmm. want that. I want that. So you could use the same Oreo concept in a sense, starting with empathy. I hear how much you really want that airplane. It does look really cool. And then there's the middle, which is the limit. We're not buying toys today, sweetheart. We're just here to get the present for your cousin. And that's got to be pretty firm because otherwise the child will continue to nag. And once it's firm, you know, we, the child bumps up against that limit. There may be tears, you know, the futility of I desperately need this plane. But, <laughs> but it does help at that moment in the toy store to offer your child a little hope like, do you want to put it on your birthday list? Here, I have your birthday list right here in the notes on my phone. And it's amazing how that works. And that would be the other side of the Oreo. So the constant nagging that parents have to deal with when children want things actually is pretty easily handled with that Oreo approach. Well, that was that I love that Oreo. And I think I'm going to try to use the Oreo in every relationship I have. <laughs> so mm-hmm. na- it does work in every relationship. It's nagging or communicators that I apply. And when I don't, my sweetheart goes, can you put an Oreo around that, please? (laughs) (laughs) That is a smart sweetheart. (laughs) Or well-trained, or both. (laughs) Okay, that's it for this week's episode of I Want to Like You. Thank you, Sherry and Laura, for joining me. My pleasure. It, It was a joy. Dr. Sherry Myers is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Los Angeles and author of Chatting or Cheating. And Dr. Laura Markham is a clinical psychologist and the author of several books, including Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids. Our producer today is Tim Einenkel. I want to give another shout out to the Twitter follower at Leftover Eater who suggested the topic for this podcast. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Real Simple or like at Leftover Eater. You can tweet ideas for the podcast directly to me at Kay Van Ogtrop. For more on irritating people and how to handle them, go to realsimple.com. And of course, subscribe to us in iTunes. For Dr. Sherry Myers and Dr. Laura Markham, I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.